Left. Right. Yo, what's up, Zip Talk audience? You are the audience. You're listening, you're watching this. So don't forget to like it, comment, subscribe, so you can continue to be the audience. Uh, but really cool stuff. Today we're talking about aliens. Uh, it takes, it gets boring at times, it gets super deep at times, and it gets really weird at times. Um, I want to know what you think. I don't know if you think aliens are, are real, so comment below, let me know. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Hey guys, what's up? This is episode 43, Sip Talk. Tonight, James and I will be talking about aliens. I'm going to introduce my co-host, James the Bosnian Boswell, bartender, accountant, philosopher, referee. Is there anything else I'm missing? Any new developments? Nah, nothing this time. Nothing alien? Uh... Yeah, recovering from the alcohol poisoning of playing Tuesday night's debate as a uh, drinking game. Yeah, how about, how about that debate? Um, it was certainly an hour and 45 minutes of television. Yeah, well, uh, we'll never get back. Um, what are you drinking over there? Same thing I've been drinking for a while, going with the uh, room temperature in Milwaukee's best ice. Ooh, there's nothing ice about it then, except for the name. I get my, uh, my Bud Light, depending how deep we get into aliens. I'll hit some scotch, but let's see where that goes. Uh, yeah. So, so where do you want to start off with this? So where do I want to start off when it comes to aliens is, one, I think in order for us to have a, a, a productive conversation, we need to decide whether or not they exist. And pre-being live, pre-being on the show here, you, you expressed to me your thoughts on this. I share exactly the same thoughts that statistically it would be almost impossible for aliens to not exist. And um, I'll, I'll let you finish the thought and, and let's go from there. Well, if you think about it, just in our galaxy alone, and I'm gonna use the Google number of stars, in the Milky Way is approximately like a trillion. So there's about a trillion stars in the Milky Way. The Milky Way. There's about, yes, in the Milky Way galaxy, there's about a trillion stars. And there are somewhere between 400 and 500 billion galaxies out there. And that number is always changing as, you know, discoveries are made and whatnot. So if you multiply. So if you they multiply 500 billion by how many trillion? One. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't do that math in my head. No, neither can I. It, it, the, the point is, it's a really big number. And when you're talking about numbers that big, a trillion's pretty hard to visualize. A billion's pretty hard to visualize. So applying them together, you got no chance. But if you look at it and say, what are the chances like life can exist 
in a given in a given solar system, a random solar system, you would think that it would be sufficiently high that at some place in the universe the thresholds have been met. And as we continue to make more and more discoveries of how exoplanets work and the, the, the likelihood that a planet exists in a star system, and then the likelihood that the planet's of a certain size and a certain distance away from the star to be within kind of the temperature range and everything to allow for the conditions as we understand them for life to exist. Well, the, so, so get this, let me, let me expand on that variable. Though. So obviously temperature is an important factor, right? Mm-hmm. So what about planets that are outside of what we call the Goldilocks zone and they have moons that create tides, tides that create friction, friction that creates heat. Um, so there, there's, they're saying there's, they're widening the likeliness that, you know, there's, there's now potential life outside of what we know as a Goldilocks zone, meaning it's just right. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's just right for there. Yeah. So you need to have a couple things. One is that the temperature can't be too high or too low. You need to be kind of in a, in a certain area for chemical reac- reactions to occur, and you need to have some kind of an energy differential. And so a good example of what you're talking about is actually um, the moon Europa off of Jer- uh, Jupiter, which is a an ice planet, and it's comprised heavily of water. And they think that the layer is like one to two kilometers thick but it's close enough to jupiter that as it orbits jupiter it gets closer and then farther away from jupiter just as its orbit kind of oscillates and that change in gravity will stretch the planet and then compress the in in one direction or the other and that differential of gravity will cause friction and heating which can keep the core of the planet warm enough to melt the water and have liquid oceans under this two kilometer thick shield of ice. Exactly. And so one of, one of the coolest experiments that I ever heard about um, was, um, I don't remember the name of the experiment, but it was a, a test to see how you could go about creating organic molecules. Now, organic molecules don't mean life but you need organic molecules to allow for life to have the chance to exist. And so the question was, how did organic molecules come to be on earth? And so what they did was they took a whole bunch of inorganic chemicals um, that would have existed on earth in its early formation. So things like sulfur and oxygen and iron and they heated it up so that way there was like there would still be some liquid water or whatever but they heated up so there would be a significant amount of these chemicals in a vapor and then what they did is they ran electricity in this like this giant test tube and they would just run an electrical charge would periodically discharge from one way to the other to simulate what lightning would have been doing early on because to the inorganic Two inorganic yeah, so, chemicals. And then, right, so you start with a whole bunch of inorganic stuff, and you ran electricity through it. And over a period of time, they actually were able to generate organic compounds. And okay, so, they didn't so I, generate life, but they generated the building blocks for exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. So, so let's, and let's, this happens, and this could happen completely by accident. 
in in natural history so um so we're, we're going to say that we both agree there's a very high probability that life can happen you're saying through electricity and inorganic uh chemicals so you know so we're, so we're going to agree that there's a decent probability that life exists and you take that decent probability and you multiply it times billions or trillions it, it becomes much much more likely mm -hmm. so so i'm gonna go with uh, you know for the sake of this conversation because i i believe that. oh for the viewers if they want to look this up i just um the name of the experiment is the miller ure experiment and the chemicals that they used were water ch4 nh3 and H2, so hydrogen, water, CH4, and NH3. NH3, I feel like, is ammonia. And all right, so the, yeah, they use water, methane, ammonia, and hydrogen. And using that mixture, applying heat, and then running a spark through it with electrodes, they were able to generate over 20 different types of amino acids, which are proteins. Protein, exactly. Which, which you know, is the foundation for for life um mm -hmm. so we'll, we'll agree that there's a very high probability that life exists almost an impossibility possible small probability that it doesn't exist just because it seems like over time things trend towards the potential for life um yep. so then i have uh a question to propose does life does life generate independently all across the universe or could the ingredients for life have been scattered across, you know, maybe aliens visit this planet, visit the next one and, and drop it off. Um, well, I think kind of the point that you just made, it's not like one alien form dropped off something over here to see what happened. Another alien form dropped off something here, over here to, to see what happens to it. Um, or they visited Earth, they left behind some sediment and then from the sediment grew you know, amoebas. Or well, and you can even look at it as you really only need one planet to have this process happen. And then let's just say that a big meteor hits the, the earth um, and it shoots a whole bunch of shrapnel into space. Meteor hits the earth, stuff flies out into space. And then that can just go out into the universe. And over a long enough period of time, like if that can escape the solar system, then it can go to a different star. And you might not be able to have galaxy to galaxy. That's probably too big of a distance. But within a galaxy, over a long enough period of time, you could probably have small impacts creating this cascade effect and a small amount of organic material is ejected and makes it to another planet and some other star and I, repeat the process. So, so but I, you know, I, think, I think this is kind of more the boring stuff when it comes to aliens, how they could possibly form. But, but I, okay. think, I think... I think it's very highly probable in either way that in many instances they can occur on their own and it can occur in one place and spread. I think it's more likely that it would occur individually in different places, which I think is a much sure. more top, interesting topic to, to go down. But either way, you kind of get the same, the same result. And I mean, to me, it, it feels almost inevitable that some form of life is going to happen. Um, no matter what. So, so then there's a couple questions here. There's one which is, if life is very common within the universe, 
and like at what limits does life tend to sputter out because they it's pr like a lot of things had to go our way for us to make it this far there, there's mass extinction events every so often and for us to have been able to make it this far and develop a civilization without having something really screw us about 70,000 years ago there was an extinct like uh, a mass extinction event that almost wiped the entire human population out that where the the entire population of humans dropped down to like five figures worldwide which is absolutely insane uh, right so so i can say across in the universe how how hard is it for life to make it to the point that we're at and the the the, the term is great filter is great filter events so so the earth has been around for about four and a half billion years yep uh they say some form of life uh they found they, they can estimate back to like three and a half maybe a little bit more billion years mm -hmm. so you've got four and a half billion you've got life happening about a billion in and then you've got a billion years, a billion years, and then 250 million years ago, you get dinosaurs. So is that, you get a similar About number? About 65 million years ago is when the dinosaurs died out, but the dinosaurs spanned a really long period of time because it was like 250 million years ago up to about 65 million years so, ago. So, yeah, so then, so you got the span of Earth, potential life, a billion years, another billion years, another half, three quarters million years, dinosaurs 190 or so million years dinosaurs go extinct and then roughly I, I, I got this written down roughly 60 million years ago something that resembles a potential a potential human and then anything that would be recognizable as human about 200,000 years ago modern human let's say the going through the anthropological thing i think the farthest you can go back to like trace primates or whatever that started to like the evolutionary track towards us it's like four million years ago or so oh no i had yeah i had, I had six million years ago I had six okay yeah i'm not ago. too far off but we're but yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're we're a million years or two million years away from each other but you've got like yeah um, it, on this scale on this scale a million years or 200 million years is, is smaller than the width of my finger. Right. And also, like, the, on this scale, the human, like, the, the part where humans actually did anything meaningful is just tiny. Like, but, so the, the idea is life seems to be, like, the, I think we can agree that life has a pretty high chance of existing elsewhere. It but it's really hard for us to say how easy it is for life to make it as far as we have. Sure. Sure, but let's talk about life as far as we have. We're, we're really getting into it just being sentient. Yep. So, but there's lots of life out there. And, uh, you know, you get into evolution, um, and that's where I think it gets really, really interesting. I think that's where, when, when people think of aliens, they think they're going to look remotely like humans. And I think that's very, very unlikely. Um, I think there's a lot of other animals on this planet that have evolved quite well, arguably having, having characteristics that are way superior to humans. 
there's a there's an evolutionary hypothesis out there that things tend to evolve to look like crabs that you can look at like the evolutionary history of like crabs in various places that had no chance of being able to like interact with each other or whatever and you'd be like this thing ended up looking like a crab and it's all the way out in the middle of the pacific ocean never interacting with anything and this thing ended up looking like a crab in like some remote area of south america well crabs so, are four legs on each side right so eight total yeah decapods so they've oh, got, it's ten. They, right yeah but I think like two of the legs are kind of small, so they kind of look like arachnids, which is why crabs freak me out. <laughs> uh, crabs do have that that spider like that spider like look, um, but you know what I was thinking the whole thing. And if you guys are watching on live, which I'm, I, I'll, I'll catch up on. I promise I'll catch up on your comments in just a second because I know there's, there's quite a few comments coming in uh, on TikTok, and we got uh, we got Instagram live right now too. Um, so just bear with me guys. But what got me thinking about aliens was I cooked an octopus. Did I tell you I cooked this octopus, uh, like a month or so ago? No, I'm pretty morally opposed. Like I don't eat seafood, but I'm also morally opposed to cooking octopus for the same reason that I would be for like eating dolphin, which is like, don't eat intelligent animals. So that's what freaked me out. I, I've never been this Octopus to me has always been the ar the arm or leg, whatever you want to call it, of an octopus. I've never gotten that up close and personal to this kind of gray matter being, and I got really freaked out. I got really freaked out when I was cooking it, and I, what got me thinking was we humans get credit for having opposing thumbs because we can do this. An octopus has fucking suction cups all the way up and doesn't need a thumb because it can just curl around something, grab it. Yep. So the, the, if you want to call it technology that, um, that they've evolved is in my opinion, way superior to our little fucking fingers and thumbs. They can literally just go and they just got it there. So, and then just like dealing with the, I think this one was like deep brained or deep gutted or however it works. But it just freaked, it freaked me the fuck out, man. And, uh, and that's, then I started doing some research on evolution and aliens. And that's, that's really what got me here, which is why I've used kind of the likeliness that aliens might exist and the span of the earth and, and how I believe it's fully inevitable that aliens couldn't exist. And, that, and that's kind of where we are right now. But um, well, let's 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 address some comments, and then I want to kind of change topics slightly, like still on the topic of aliens, but move to more like the way that aliens are discussed in the media and popular culture right now. But what are the what are the people saying? All right, so let me let me just let me get through here. We got Rosh here. Welcome, Rosh. Why freaked out? You get up close with an octopus, and uh, in the water. Uh, but yeah, they're supposedly very intelligent animals. No, they are super smart. And Wanda, Lisa, Lisa says the dish looked really good. It was fucking phenomenal, but I was fully freaked out. A lot of comments about grilled, uh, grilled octopus. Maria, Christina. Uh, I, I, let's see. It blows my mind what a short time humans have been in existence. Wanda. Um, speaking of which, thank you, Wanda, for having me on the radio show, which should be, it airs in New Jersey radio in uh on october 4th 
We'll see if we get some more details of that on there. But thank you guys for joining. Let's see what we got. Shouldn't the same thing apply to beef, chicken, or any types of meats from roads? Uh, what's the concrete? You could certainly make that argument. I think that there's a different level of intelligence that displayed by animals, octopus, elephants, dolphins, primates for sure. Well, um, and actually corvids. I I don't even know what that is, but but uh, but I um, crows, magpies. Okay. Parrots. I will agree. Parrots are not corvids, but there are certain animals that display a lot more intelligence um, than the majority of the other animals. And you know, I was thinking, is that something that almost could be like bred in? Like, if you just if you have a child and he's raised in the wild, he's not going to have any concept of language. But you could argue that he had the developmental capacity for it. But it's kind of, it's developmentally stacked. Communication is built on, you know, if you're 30 years old, you've only, you know, if you're George of the Jungle or who said it? The, George of the Jungle, right? That's a guy that grew up in the yeah, jungle. Or, or Tarzan. Like, or, yeah, but, but, but no human interaction, purely animal interaction that, you know, by the time you're 18 or 23 years old or however, whatever, developmental age you stop you will have no capacity for communication beyond that of a, of a dog that's my thinking and that you know there's certain certain communicative developmental steps that you could you could have if an animal has a capacity for it i think potentially with like dolphins or elephants or octopus well, i don't yeah, know yeah there's a cap though because like even if someone develops and doesn't get introduction to language and at some point like their brains kind of stop developing and they no longer have the capability for language that's some research but the the brain still has the capacity for it it just kind of missed its training window even if you take an animal that an intelligent animal such as a chimpanzee or a dolphin or an elephant is no matter what you do if, even if you start from day zero you can't really do much to train language. The closest they've gotten is with gorillas and sign language. And to some degree that works, but it's, it's an extremely basic thing where they just don't have the capability in the actual hardware of their brain to be so, able to develop the, those areas beyond a certain point. So let's give it a, a, a couple hundred generations of us rebreeding the smart ones. Well, then the argument that you'd be doing is you'd basically be fast-tracking the evolution that led to us. And I think that could be tested. I think that could be tested. Um, so, uh, who knows? There's ethical implications there, too. But yeah, yeah. we're making animals fun. All right. Well, uh, but so, so let's backtrack a little bit. There was something you wanted to talk about. All right. So let me ask you this question. And it was, I think, a lot more popular 15 or 20 years ago. But the general, the, the broad question I'm asking is, do you believe that aliens have visited this planet in some capacity? Oh man, we're going, we're going here already. Um, I, I wanted to go arguments against intelligent design uh, <laughs> first, but um, so believing- We already kind of made those arguments about how life can happen by accident through just natural processes. Sure. And but, it well, took three and a half billion years, which is an unfathomably long period of time for us to arise. Well, so I, I think we've kind of argued. We've, 
Sure, but I was going to argue about how unintelligent the, the, the design of humans is, that it's purely, it's purely a numbers game that, that we have the body parts that we do. And, yeah. And that we're, you know, like we'd be better off with a hard shell. We'd probably be better off cold-blooded. Um, you know, like who runs who runs a wastewater pipeline through a recreation area? So yeah, you got you got your ple- your pleasure uh, going ads there, but then they also are responsible for excreting the waste. You breathe through the same hole that you eat. Uh, you know, just, yeah, there's a design flaw there. Yeah, there's a lot of design. Our, we, our eyes only point forward, um, and we have to turn our whole head and neck to to look behind us. Uh, you know, just we we you know we can't regrow. Like there's a lot there's a lot of shit that other animals have. We get sunburned. Like think of, you know like think about that. <coughs> but I, I, yeah, I, I kind of want to skip over that and let's just talk about. Do you think that aliens have ever visited this planet? Because we've all seen videos of UFOs and all heard stories of abductions and strange things that have happened or whatever. Well, so where do you fall on that? And not even talking about ancient aliens or any of that bullshit. So, so let's just, let's touch on UFOs. Okay. A UFO by definition means we don't know what it is. So, yep. so for somebody who doesn't know what they're seeing, you know, to decide that their brain initially goes to alien spacecraft is is really a bit a bit far. There was there was something I saw online a week or two ago, maybe maybe less than a month, uh, about a whole bunch of people stopped on the highway taking video of this UFO in the sky somewhere in New Jersey, and come to find out it was a blimp. Um, so I you know I I just right off the bat I'm going to discredit most UFO sightings, saying that it's alien spacecraft, when we have very little. Um, also, you know, in, it's, you know, if the aliens were coming in the forties and the fifties and sixties and seventies and the eighties that, you know, they really seem to have slowed down with their visits as our technology has evolved. Um, can I, let me speak to that point. Cause okay. I, I know where you're going with this one. And, um, this point was raised by, uh, a web comic that I really like called XKCD, which, um, he, he does a little graph where like prevalence of camera phones goes up and at the same time <laughs> aliens and videos of aliens and ghosts and all this other stuff drops so like you're telling me who do you know how many people do you know that have a camera on them 24 yeah, 7 everybody fun. right Literally everyone. yeah <laughs> I, I i don't know in in my adult life i would have been able to name one person i knew that was an adult that didn't have a camera phone and even he now has a smartphone. So literally every person I know has a camera that they can have with the ability to take a picture or a video within, I would say five to 10 seconds. Oh, well, we're talking like, you know, like fish it out of your pocket. Boom. We're taking the video. Like four or five so, K high megapixel count. Oh yeah. Works yeah quality. Phone. Yeah. Very high quality. Yet. When was the last time you saw like a four, five K alien video? Or yeah, or ghosts, or Sasquatch, or any of the other things. Like, yeah, it's, it's always blurry. as soon as it's always blurry. It's it's always out of focus. It's always just off the side of the screen. And so another question that I like to ask here is going back to the unexplained. Is just because 
we don't have an explanation for something doesn't mean there isn't an explanation. It just means that we don't, it, it, but you can't just jump to it being aliens because that's the same as jumping well, to being God. And these are two right, totally so, different, you know, these are two there's, totally Yeah, there's kind of an Occam's razor effect here where like a, the general rule of Occam's razor is it, it's boiled down to the simplest answer is correct. And that's not the, the right way to state it. Occam's razor is more, more along the lines of, in general, the answer that requires the fewest leaps of logic is going to be more correct. That the least amount of steps that you have to build to justify your answer, the more likely you are to be correct. So God is most likely the answer. No, because you can, in order to build up God, you've got well, to do a whole bunch of leaps of logic to establish how he came into being and all of his rules and everything else. There's a lot of leaps of logic that involve I'm, positing a God. Well, fair enough. So then it's aliens, obviously. A similar level of leaps of logic because then you're going to have well, to explain how they got here and how their technology works and all that other stuff. So, yeah, exactly. So what, let's, let's, uh, um, let's get into travel, interstellar travel, interplanetary travel, um, unless you want to touch touch a little more on on UFO sightings. Uh, no, I think we I both, think... both basically agree is that, that, and also think about it like this. So, I think one of the one of the best explanations for a lot of UFOs is going to be governments testing various technologies, and governments have an extremely strong interest to deny any of that because if that information gets out and it's a technology that might actually be helpful for them for whatever they want to do, and they don't want other countries finding out about it, well, yeah, they're going to deny it. So the, I think the best explanation for a lot of these things is like the government's testing a whole bunch of secret shit that they don't want other countries to discover whatever technology they're doing. I, I think, think that yeah. that's a far cleaner and simpler explanation than having to figure out how aliens did this stuff. I, I agree. Uh, real quick, just thought of this. You guys are watching live. I appreciate you being here. You should go and subscribe to our YouTube channel, or you should subscribe to the audio version of this in case you're missing any of it. I know a lot of you guys are watching on social media, and you're not going to sit here for an hour, but you can also download the audio version wherever you can find a podcast. And if you're watching this after the live version you're watching on YouTube, please like this video, subscribe, and uh, you'll be our friend forever. And you can suggest future topics. I think ghosts might not be a bad one to get into if we could get somebody who's really on the pro ghost. You know, yeah, I we need like, to have some because you and I are going to be uh, on the exact same side on this one. Like yeah. when I worked in um, when, the hotel that I worked at in Charleston had a reputation for being haunted. I worked there for three years. I worked exclusively night shift, and I for the entire three year period that I was there, I didn't see anything interesting. And people were like, is this place haunted? I'm like, yo, I, I spend every night here. No. I'm like, well, we heard it was. I'm like, well, then you heard it from someone that was stupid. <laughs> oh, man. Um, um, all right. So interstellar travel. So um, the problem with interstellar travel is let's just assume that there's an alien civilization somewhere out there. Let's, that, let's pick the nearest. Let's pick the, let's pick a the nearest, the nearest star is Proxima Centauri, which is, I think, three and a half or four light years away. Let me look it up. Okay, so that's if you're going at, at light speed. At light speed. Okay. So Proxima what Centauri happened? is 4.2 light years away. 
So four, so four years away at light speed. What happens to yes. your body at light speed? Well, what happens to your body? First at of all, speed? what happens to your body at high speeds? Well, first of all, to get to light speed requires acceleration, and so human you accelerate can't really with. Well, so to accelerate at all requires force, and so. If you need to accelerate to light speed, that's going to take some time. Because if you were to go from zero to light speed right now, like if you were to put me in a vehicle that somehow the, had the capability of accelerating to light speed, like, and you put me in there, just press go and it gets to light speed in let's say a second, um, a second into it. I'm going to be a plasma of high energy particles yes. because the vehicle obliterated me. So, at, so yeah, as you accelerate to light speed, um, gravity becomes basically infinite. Am I am I accurate? Well, this? no, no, because like it, you, could, you could be moving, you could be moving at light speed, and if you're not accelerating, then not, you, from your frame of reference, you're just moving really fast. But like you're seeing stuff buzz around you or whatever. But if you're not accelerating, you feel no force. So you could be moving at light speed and feel no force. But to get to light speed is as you get closer and closer to the speed of light, the amount of energy that needs to be imparted on an object to reach light speed increases exponentially to the point where you get to a certain level where it's impossible for you to introduce enough energy to that particle to accelerate it past a certain point um, where it's just asymptotic. So the only, the only particles that can actually make it to light speed are particles that have no mass. If you have any mass whatsoever, you cannot reach light speed. The only particles that can reach light speed are going to be photons and, and electromagnetic waves. Photons are electromagnetic waves and they have no mass. They have momentum because they have energy, but they have no mass. So if you have a particle that has any mass whatsoever, the, it will never be able to get to 1.0 C. It will be able to get to 0.9999 whatever, but it will never be able to cross to 1.0. Yes. So we are we are comprised of molecules that have mass, and that's why that creates a bit of a problem. Uh, but if you're going just under the speed of light, you're still going pretty quick. You're going at half the speed of light. But light it would only take you eight years to get there. Okay. So. The maximum amount of g-force acceleration that a human can withstand is about nine g's. And that's only for like a couple seconds. If you've trained for a long period of time, you might be able to make it 30 seconds or a minute. But those are people that have sp trained specifically to be able to withstand high g-forces. So let's just divide that by two. Um, a, tip, um, a, a typical person can which handle about five g before losing consciousness. Which g-force, if, if you're watching, G-force is the force of gravity. So one, well, one G is what you feel moving around. Two Gs is what you feel, you know, when, you, when you're accelerating. When you're in a car and you, and you feel this, that's additional gravity being pushed, up, right. pushed on you. So basically time. one G is what we're used to, but you can basically think about one G. Like, so two G is really like one G. Like, so if, right now I've got one G pushing me down. If, if we were to accelerate backwards, like, that's one G that way too. So people about a normal person 
can withstand 5G for some period of time without passing out. But more realistically, I'd say the most that somebody could comfortably withstand, or not even comfortably withstand, but withstand without like severe health effects would probably be somewhere in the range of 3G. So an extended period of time. And that's confident. So if you're, so what do you think the G-force is when you just get in your car and you, and you pedal to the metal? Maximum in um, a non-sports car? Maximum in a Tesla, it, which has an incredible acceleration. Probably about 0.6 or 0.7G. Okay, so, so not even, you're not even at 2G yet. Your, your best car, like your best street cars are going to be able to do a lateral force G of between 1 and 1.2 and a braking force of probably like 1.3 to 1.5. <laughs> um, and that's like slamming on the brakes and everything being all your tires working exactly the way they want to. Um, no gravel. Formula One cars, which are absolutely insane in terms of what they can do, can max out between five and six G of lateral forces. They can't maintain that funk because the tires will st- start to break down. But in the right conditions, a Formula One car can produce five or six G of lateral force and probably between 1.5 and two of. Um, acceleration force of going from zero to 200 or whatever speed they go. But if we're going to talk about spaceships or whatever and trying to build a spaceship that can transport people some long distance or whatever, we want to get that up to some level of light speed. Let's just, let's not even talk about the energy requirements or the design that goes into building the engine. Let's just assume that we have that technology. We're going to be limited by what the human body can withstand in terms of acceleration forces. Also, I mean, you could break you could break down how much acceleration is needed to get to a tolerable, you know, to get to a reasonable speed to get to another slope. Um, so, my my concern though is that we're talking about the physics that we know and understand, and I think when you get into quantum physics, you know, you could propose some theories around around the construct that, that we're building our argument against. Well, the best, the best argument for being able to travel at high speeds and possibly super luminal speeds would be what's called an Alcubierre drive, which is going to be, you've got your spaceship and it sits in a region of space time. We're all sitting in a region of space time. And so instead of trying to accelerate the ship, what the Alcubierre drive tries to do is basically create a negative amount of space time in front of you and a positive in behind you. And basically, instead of moving the ship, move space time. <laughs> it, you can think of it almost like surfing a wave of space time. But how are and you that way creating, the ship doesn't you, experience accelerate? Huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's and how are you doing that? Um, so the idea would be you're gonna need exotic matter because what you're gonna to need to do is you're going to need so gravity will actually bend space-time. That's, that's just, how gravity works. Can, can I just can I pause you on this? I'm going okay. to pour a real drink here because we're, we're, getting, into, we're getting into stuff that's, that's difficult to comprehend because it's more theoretical and less reality as people understand gravity. But yeah. I think quantum, quantum physics kind of effectively disproves gravity in the traditional sense that we know it. Am I accurate with that? 
Um, yeah, this is yeah, this is a little bit more quantum physics, and this is a purely hypothetical idea. So this is this is yeah, we're talking theories here. I'm gonna pour I'm gonna pour a glass of scotch real quick. We're gonna get into this. If you guys are watching live right now, feel free to stick around. I expect to lose some of you guys because this. Uh, I mean, this is kind of confusing, and like I watch certain uh quantum physics stuff and i just tune out like i get like four minutes into a 10 minute uh 10 minute youtube video and i'm just like i'm fucking lost and and my brain just kind of goes it goes out of it so um are you you needing a re-up on a drink over there um i'm about halfway through this beer i can go grab a beer real quick so i can i can reload all right let's do that i'm gonna hit the comments i'm gonna pour a drink uh the video froze all right maria you can see us hi farida i sponsor unit nyc that, that sounds pretty cool we should definitely be in touch so monica jenny hey guys um ask someone that's a test pilot do you mean a test pilot or do you mean a test dummy because <laughs> those are two different type of things uh so the scotch right here oh so i got an answer on how long it would take to reach light speed at a constant acceleration of 1g how long it would take to reach light speed at a constant acceleration of 1G? Okay, and yep. then we multiply this times four or three at a more yeah. comfortable pace. So how long would it yeah, take well, to reach light speed? So to, to reach light speed at 1G of acceleration, accepting the energy requirements and everything else, it's about 353 days. So it would take you, let's round it up and let's just call it a year. It'll take you it'll one take year to go from zero to light speed. Then once you reach light speed, it will take you another four years of travel to get to the closest star. That's not bad. But let's, but let's go more realistic because light speed, we've just basically disproved it, it. You know, it's not a comfortable speed to hit. Right? And so... Yeah, but that again, let's go best case scenario here. Best case scenario is that you can reach it in one year. Let's even say that you can do it in 2G. So you can make it in a half year. You can make it in 180 days. You can get to, to light speed. Then you still got four years of travel that you need to do. And then you have to decelerate because if you're going light speed and you hit the planet, things aren't going to go well for you. That's a good point, the deceleration, because you're not about to hit presuming we're going to hit another planet with atmosphere or an atmosphere similar to ours. Uh, even if it doesn't have an atmosphere, um, if you, if you're going at light speed into the surface of it, um, it's going to make a nice, it's going to make a really big explosion. Oh, you're a meteor. Yeah. Hitting a planet with, you know, with, without a layer of somebody to, to use friction to, to your advantage. Um, so yeah, you've got to decelerate to some manageable velocity to be able to even make it to a planet. Okay. So, so even if aliens you can go technology. Wait, so you tell me in five years you can go interstellar. If you were able to accelerate at 1G constantly and not accounting for the energy requirements needed to do so, then so, yeah. Okay. Interesting. And remember, the, the closer you get to light speed, the more and more energy you have to put in. So I, I think, uh, Valerie, I got my drink. Do you refresh? You got, what, another Miller? You don't keep these in the refrigerator? What? Uh, sometimes. 
I, I just sometimes I forget and I just leave it on the kitchen floor and I'm like, all right, well it's beer. Oh, that's good. A little scotch. Spent a little while. Not, not been drinking a lot of scotch. Uh, what brand? <laughs> My favorite. Any guess on that one? Um, it's going to be Dewar's White. It's Dewar's, yeah. Uh, yeah, Dewar's is like our Gatorade. you got like a football team, drinks Gatorade, real estate agents drink scotch. You know, Gatorade, obviously not the most nutritious, not the highest end uh, athletic drink, but serves a purpose. Um, yeah, so say there's aliens and they can travel. I mean, I think, I think that's reasonable. I don't think that we have, I think technology is going to continue to accelerate over the course of our lives. I think we're going to see some really cool stuff, uh, gravity bending, mind bending type stuff. But, uh, but also you remember with the, uh, the large, what is it? The, they call it the Large Hadron Collider, something about Higgs boson. It's in Switzerland. Yeah, so they thought when they fired that thing up, they were shooting atoms at each other, something like that, right? Yeah, streams of um, protons. Streams of protons to create miniature black holes, right? No, that was. Or there was a potential theor- uh, theoretical implication. Yeah, some people. Well, yeah, because a black hole doesn't require mass; it just requires a certain density of energy within a, a given space. So they and thought so, there was a possibility they could create a black hole. Right, but it would be a black hole that would be so incredibly tiny and short-lived that it wouldn't do anything. Well, we got to get into the science of black holes to figure that one out. Oh, I I, I know a lot about this. You know a lot about black holes. I'm obsessed with astronomy and cosmology and like all this kind of stuff. So like, I don't have the the deep math background to study it, but I watch all the videos of like people that know more than I do talking about it. It's just like a small obsession of mine. Yeah. Almost all yeah. the videos I watch are of people that know more than I do. So, <laughs> but yeah. So even, even if you were to have enough energy in these proton streams or whatever to create a miniature black hole. So the lifespan of a black hole is inverse related, inversely related to its mass. And so if you were to take protons and accelerate them to a high enough speed and then collide them, like you would have enough energy density potentially to create a black hole. I don't know, I'd have to look it, look it up to see like how fast the protons would be having to move in order and like colliding to create one. But you'd be looking at a black hole that would have a mass of at most a couple protons and in order and and so a, a black hole of that mass would have the size of barely larger than the Planck length and black holes radiate heat um, and the 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 speed at which they radiate heat is inverse related to their size so a black hole that is going to be that small would last such a short period of time that it would be almost impossible for us to measure. The only way that we would even know if we created a black hole in this way would be by looking for certain radiation signatures of its decay. Yeah. It wouldn't have enough time for gravity, for its gravity to pull in anything. And even if it had the gravity, even if it had enough time to pull something in, 
it would not have enough time to be able to kind of like spiral and continue to grow. It would radiate out stuff faster than it could pull anything in. Yeah, I didn't know that black holes radiated heat. So that's, um, so that's yeah, it's called Hawking radi radiation. Um, and it's a really cool, it's a really simple explanation for a cool process. Okay. Well, well, let's backtrack to something a little more interesting. Um, black holes, interesting to you and I. Uh, intracellular travel, interesting to you and I. I think we need somebody above our pay grade to get into theoretical intracellular travel and theoretical space travel um, that makes sense for aliens to be visiting. Would you agree on that? Yeah, the the only feasible way that I've heard of is that Alcubierre drive, and basically what you're going to need is you're going to need some way of being able to create a gravitational field be, like that warps space-time large enough that you can kind of surf the wave, and in order to do that, you need a positive amount and a negative amount. So it's pretty easy for us to create dimples in space-time. In fact, you're doing it right now. Just by having mass, you're creating a small dimple in space-time and we're existing in a much larger one that the earth is creating and the earth exists in a large one that the sun's creating so in order to create a localized dimple in space-time we'd need to have some way of injecting a tremendous amount of energy directly in front of the ship and then what we would also need is we would need some way of creating a negative dimple so a ridge behind us and that would require negative mass and we haven't figured out how to do that yet Okay, and then you're and then you're literally surfing. You're yeah, you're surfing a wave of space time. Yeah, which is so that your bubble of space time within that bubble, you're not accelerating because there's no limit. That the speed limit of light is to be able to move through space time. It's not like space and everything that moves through space time can only move at the speed well, of light. How does a regular but, vacuum? How does a regular vacuum hold up to what you're explaining? So you're you're creating a, a pull on the front, but no additional gravity, right? What, you, what you're trying to do is find okay. a way of being able to move space-time itself. But you, so, so you're basically doing a vacuum, but with space-time. Or a guess. reverse vacuum? Think about it like this. So to move, so speed of light, you can think about it like, let's imagine that you're in a long hallway and there's a whole bunch of doors. So you want to move every, every foot you move, there's a door that you have to open, right? And so it takes you a certain amount of time to open that door. So no matter how fast you run, you have to stop and open a door every single step of the way, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like the speed of light is every plonk length that you travel is a door and you can only travel that plonk length. Like you have to spend time opening the next plonk length of door and the speed at which you can open those doors is the speed of light. Yeah. So the idea with the Alcubierre drive is to say, you know what, I'm just going to take this one door with me. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be moving this piece of space time that I have, and I'm going to be moving the, the, the space itself and not accelerating. So I don't have to move through space time. I am moving space time. Absolutely. All right. So look, what I want to backtrack to is what aliens could potentially look like. And if you're watching on live, I really want some suggestions what you think aliens would look like. Um, I read an article about land, um, octopuses on land, basically, and, and how that would work. So octopuses that don't require water. Um, 
and, and that being a potential alien. But weren't we, were we briefly talking about like gray animal, gray type skin or something like that? You said something about gray matter when it came to the octopus. The octopus, yeah, but I think they say that aliens are basically gray. You know, that they're very likely they would be gray. Do you know anything on this? Um, I know that in popular culture, you've got, you know, the, the classic alien with like the kind of ovoid face and like kind of gray featureless skin. But I, think I don't know why. But the gray is something, uh, anybody know about uh, why, <laughs> why uh, aliens would be gray? There's a good reason for that. It has, has to do with, um, I think with like the sun and you know the opposite reason as to why we tan which is not really a good thing for us it's just our body's reaction to the sun what do you what do you got uh, i'm trying to see there, there's a wikipedia article about it but i'm not able to find a quick answer as to why why people have gone with the the gray alien but even like the gray aliens or whatever have a relatively humanoid appearance They've got well, arms uh, and legs and a head well, and large have, eyes and a nose and a mouth. It seems like everything's going to have a centralized brain. But that's not always true across the animal kingdom spectrum. Not everything is a centralized brain. Some so, things don't even have central nervous systems entirely. Jellyfish. Exactly. So, so that's that they're intelligent. What you said, not that they're intelligent? No. No, yeah, well, but that's, so, um, what do they say? What animal doesn't have a scent? Uh, I don't know. Uh, starfish? I don't know. Earthworms, maybe. But there's, there's definitely going to be a quality of having multiple limbs that are similar. Because there's a lot of animals out there that have multiple limbs. You know, imagine, imagine a jellyfish, you know, found out that it, not jellyfish, an octopus realized it didn't, you know, they, they had the ability to be on land, right? And then this, this particular octopus kept bringing back land food, bring it in, made it with a lot of other female um, octopi, and they produced octopi that could also walk on land. And now you have octopuses walking on land that can go back in and mate and da-da-da. They got octopus that, that can get out of the water. Well, it's kind of the general theory as to how fish made it from water to land is a gradual process. But, but now you take an octopus-like animal. Um, and also, you know, there are asexual type animals out there. So not everything... Animals that can asexually reproduce? Not, yeah, not, not everything yeah. needs a male or female counterpart to reproduce, which we do. And uh, I think the reason that that's a evolutionary... Uh, you know, it's beneficial for evolution is that you get the diversity. Right. So asexual reprodu reproduction, it, it's a lot harder to introduce mutations and everything like that. Whereas with sexual reproduction, you've got two different, slightly different genomes or whatever that can, so it's, it, yeah, evolution takes a lot longer with asexual re reproduction because you're not introducing mutations. So, so Lisa's saying, I'm saying aliens may not have a gender. I'm saying it's very possible. We have animals on Earth that don't have a gender. So, yeah, the, there's nothing necessary about gender. It's entirely possible that you, aliens could involve. When you merge two different, different, yeah, male and a female, or however you want to define them, 
across whatever animal species, uh, an A and a B, they each represent a different um, a gene, you know, with potential mutations. When it's just one, the potential for mutation is cut in half. So evolution yep. would then take twice as long. Um, yeah, that's, the, that's... Yeah, arguably long. Sure. So, yeah, I, I, I'm sure that there's a different answer than two, but for our purposes, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, it, but, but longer nonetheless. So, yes. Um, but I, I do think there's a possibility that, you know, like, like just think about the other benefits that other animals have that, that we don't have. And then you, you know, throw some variables in there. But there are other planets that have, that are, have a higher amount of gravity. Like the moon has less gravity than we have on Earth. So you might get more slender. If they were to evolve the same way that we did, you might have, they might not be so... Uh, muscular. Muscular, obviously. But they might be more like, uh, they might have longer arms, longer legs, because they're not fighting gravity. Whereas, you, you know, on a, on a planet with higher gravity, you might have fewer uh, people that are walking on two legs. You might have more people that are walking. Yeah, you'd have to have more robust skeletons and more muscle to support the mass and probably smaller overall structures. But I, um, yeah. So, but I just think, but I think in general, like an exoskeleton would be way more badass than an internal skeleton, traditional skeleton. Uh, you, what, or what if you had both? problem with the exoskeleton has to do with respiration. Uh, explain. You can't have a regular respiratory system with an exoskeleton. You still have holes on you. Yeah, but it has something to do with the ability to like scale up in size in, in an exoskeleton where eventually the exoskeleton, because it takes up so much more surface area, because think about how like your bones are all internal now imagine taking all of that bone and putting it on the outside it's going to weigh a lot more so you've got a much higher energy cost to an exoskeleton but most as of the you scale up in size exoskeletons are cold blood right because there's a high energy cost to the exoskeleton so if they were if they were warm blooded then they would have to it would be much harder for them to be able to eat enough and just maintain the energy requirements. That's, that's, that's my thought on it. But basically there's yeah. a reason why exoskeletons haven't evolved above a certain size. What? Well, sure. Okay. Fair enough. But you still have like an armadillo. Is that exoskeleton? No, but it's, it's a, no, hard, a no. harder skin. It's a harder. Yeah. Skin. That's just harder skin. Like yeah. armadillos still have bones. Yeah. Now, are all exoskeleton animals all slimy and shit inside? They are, right? Like, there's no. They don't uh, have bones. Um, they don't have bones. Well, no. Yeah. If they have exoskeletons, then they don't have bones. Yeah. Do they still have ligaments and tendons? Um, I think a lot of them actually are able to actuate their appendages through hydraulic action. Wild. That's fucking wild. Yeah. So you have these hydraulic fucking animals that are crawling the the. the surface of this earth i yeah think it's, all, I, it's all going to be controlled by pressure in whatever like it's going to be liquid that's just like under low pressure it retracts under high pressure it extends and you just man, you, you manipulate 
limbs through yeah hydraulics well yeah they say there's geared animals aren't there some ge- uh geared animals like like crickets or or something like that that, that have this yeah. internal gear yeah that have natural gears that look like straight out of a car or something hmm. like the steampunk or whatever whatever that's called uh all these gears so that's that's pretty wild um to have fucking geared animals uh are there organisms beside insects with exoskeletons um so there's okay. only one there's only one um insect that we know of that has gears and it is a Isis coleoptritus. It looks like a mix between a fly and a grasshopper. Okay. What size is it? Pretty small. Okay. So are there animals that have exoskeletons? Yeah, look at crabs. Besides insects, look at crabs. Yeah, and, arthropods. And what's that? Arthropods. What does that mean? So it'd be like crabs, lobsters. Yeah, uh, you know, I have, I never really looked at a lobster like a water, um, what do you call that, that uh, a cockroach. I never looked yeah. at, I never looked at lobsters like water cockroaches until I was in the Caribbean and they don't have the big claws that go around them. They just have two pointy, uh two pointy things in the front of the antenna head. yeah they don't have these giant claws so uh, and and then i started to like really look at the rest of their body because lobsters are typically defined as we know them as big clawed animals similar to crab when you see them without the claws your attention is drawn to the rest of their their body and you're like fuck that lip to steal material from one of my favorite comedians like take your bias away from the fact that eating lobster is normalized in this country and tell me what the difference between lobster and bug meat is. I don't know. I don't know what the inside of a bug looks like, really. I would imagine it looks very much like the same as a lobster. Uh, is, well, I don't eat seafood. So like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not a hypocrite here. I don't, I don't eat bugs. I don't eat lobster. But yeah, you're eating just a giant bug, a giant hunk of bug meat. So Thank I, you, Jim Gaffigan. So I cooked... Um, I cooked the uh, the octopus uh, a few weeks back, almost like two months back, actually. And uh, you know, you know what's fucked up is I cooked this octopus. I just kept it myself, da da da. And then my building had this contest, and they're like, "Oh, it's called uh, you know whatever eats. You got to put this hashtag. Winner wins like catering or they like a knife set or some bullshit house stuff." So. So then I posted it. Um, but then I told them I'm moving out. So now I'm really, <laughs> now I'm really concerned they're not going to give me, because I won the last prize for the cocktails. It was called like, you know, whatever cocktail hour hashtag, you got to use hashtag. I won it. I got two giant. What drink did you make? Uh, I, I posted a bunch of drinks that I made in the apartment. I tagged yeah, the complex. What, I tagged what the were the drinks? Oh, uh, Paper Plane, uh, Negroni. Some uh, Aperol spritz. Uh, I just tagged a whole bunch of drinks in one post and put them all out there, and I won, which is oh. badass. I, 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 I'm not. What, what did you get? So I got two giant cases of water. I got a twenty-five dollar gift card to like a liquor delivery app, and they're supposed That's to send like some bar supplies, which I haven't gotten yet. Hmm. And now there's a new one that's for cooking. Like, because you're supposed to use your kitchen in your apartment, right? They want you to show off your kitchen and this and that, show off your cooking skills. 
Yeah. So, so I mean, I looked at the competing people with the same hashtag, which you need to label that hashtag to win. And I'm a pretty clear winner on that one with the octopus. But now they know I'm moving out. So I really think there's a really high chance I don't win. And somebody with the, the goofy teddy bear shaped cookies is, you know, is, is going to win this competition. So I got, well, I got that. Serves you right for cooking octopus. Well, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so I did have um, things to, so I posted that. I just, I'm going to segue a little bit onto uh, Instagram. Uh, Lisa, who, who follows, she, she subscribes to the podcast also. She uh, she told me she likes lengua tacos. You know what that is? You speak Spanish, so probably. Lengua? Yeah, it's going to be tongue. Tongue. Cow tongue tacos. And I was really afraid to have these cow tongue tacos. And yeah, when uh, I was in Spain, they would serve lengua every once in a while. And I was like, I'm not eating that. It's too weird. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I had them on, I'll pass. on Sunday and uh, saw the menu. I, I ordered... Usually when I get tacos, I just do three tacos and like a guacamole chips or, you know, some other side. Uh, I ordered four in case I didn't like it. And I was stuffed. I, I, every, every last piece of meat on there was uh, phenomenal. She, she said, and it's true, that the lengua meat uh, really soaks up the flavor. So it was, uh, it was super tender. So it was fucking freaky. But then when it comes back, you know, when it comes back to it, we are animals. And we got here by eating other animals. And that's just, uh, you know, just how. Yeah, you can have all the lingua tacos you want. I'm going to stick with the normal shit. <laughs> normal. I'm saying that is more normal. That's what I'm saying. It's more normal. That, than, the, than octopus? Sure. All right, fine. Like, we've set the bar that low. Um, <laughs> you're welcome, Lisa. Thank you for, for pushing me to, to, to try that. So I will say tongue, tongue meat, not a bad, not a bad meat. Um, and I didn't feel so bad about eating it because I ate a hamburger and I ate steak, but I, I definitely got freaked the fuck out. Um, I definitely got freaked the fuck out with the octopus. It seemed so alien. You know, do you remember going on field trips as kids and we used to like milk cows and shit? Yeah. We grew yeah, up by a lot of farmland. function of where we grew up. Sure. Yeah. We grew up by a lot of farmland. But we did not grow up by the ocean. And the ocean that you and I vacation to are a lot different in terms of the animals that are inside those oceans than a lot of the rest of the world. People fish and they need protein and they gotta eat the shit that they find. And I can see it how, how people are eating octopus. Yeah, you, you're not going to be able to sell me on that, but you also can't sell me on anything seafood. Well, I'm going to say the octopus. You can hear this? Yes, very much so. Oh, my God. Um, definitely something about being in New York. It drives you fucking nuts. So I will say yeah, I'm, thinking don't miss it. I'm thinking octopus is about as close as I can think of to what an alien is going to look like. I'm thinking somewhere between an octopus and... Uh, let's, uh, what else, what could you well, I think we can agree that like having limbs, you're going to need to have some kind of way of being able to manipulate your environment. And well, so limbs are the most snake. obvious. So yeah, like what? a snake or a worm or, or, or something like that. It just no, you have, have to have some kind of appendage to be able to manipulate things around you because otherwise, how are you going to develop technology? 
You're not well, just going to go straight from having no arms to having telekinetic powers to manipulate shit that way. It yeah, just doesn't so, happen. So snake or even like a um, alligator, they have one kind of main thing. It's just one. It's on their fucking head. Uh, that's tough. Well, that's they tough. just have four limbs, but they're not doing much with it. But them. they don't do anything, exactly. So same thing with the T-Rex. Like, this guy's a loser, man. You know, he, he looks he looks badass, but, like, he's not going to last in the grand scheme of things. So you're going to have to have these appendages. Um, but I'm saying more than more than two with the two legs. Like, we're kind of fucked, you know, if we, if we got to fight somebody with three arms, like, we are fucked. Yeah, but you also have to look at it as why did we evolve the way we did with two legs and two arms is wow. the evolutionary cost of a third arm at some point must have outweighed the benefits. Well, of no, there's no third arm. Costs. I don't, I, there's no third arm. It's a third and fourth because you look at almost every species and there's biosymmetry. Pretty much. Yeah, both. you have to have symmetry. Symmetry is a big, big, big deal. I don't know the reason for that. Maybe you know the reason for that. But we're not it's having a third efficiency. Arm. It's, you know, it's third it, how do you code for it? How do you code for <laughs> asymmetry? Because genetics, if you look at it, it, it's really just code. So it's really hard to code for asymmetric effects. Yeah. So um, yeah. So so how many limbs are we talking? Because I, I think well, two I, inefficient. Well, I, I guess it's going to be either four or six or eight. So we have, we have to be in even numbers here. Um, it's not going to be ten. Well, the the crabs have ten. At a certain at a certain point, though, they get in your way. Right, and so that's why I'm saying like we're we're the most evolved beings on this planet, and so we've got four. And I would say that the evolutionary cost of having more outweighs the benefit of having more, where there's more energy it's a less efficient design and the, we have four is that way like if you lose one arm through an accident or something you still have one other arm that you can use to kind of like survive and get by no, I'm pretty, i mean but we're also out of tail tail I mean, yeah, but, but yeah, also what, what, about creatures, what about what about creatures that can go back and forth between the water and the land you know, specialization goes a long way and if you're spending points to have both a normal respiration system and a gill system, then you're spending time and you're spending evolutionary energy and also valuable body space replicating duties. Then. True. Sure. Um, all right, dude. I, uh, I'd love to go deeper on, what aliens look like. I'd love to go deeper on space travel, actually. But I think it's best we do that another time. We're yeah, we should get on. somebody on to talk about theoretical physics because I've got a huge interest in it, but mine is kind of as a fanboy and not as an expert. But bear in mind, we need, we need theoretical physics, uh, quantum physics. We, we need this to be able to be delivered. And, and I, I love YouTube for this, but we really need it to be delivered at a fourth grade level. So um, there's a couple channels out there that are very good. If I could give some shout outs. Sure. But don't because this is our channel. we got to recruit these guys over here. So what I'm saying is if you're going to talk to, to collegiate viewers, we don't want you. 
you know, we, we want the Bill Nyes that are going to, they're going to talk to the fourth graders. Um, but look, British sure aliens are out there. Whether they want anything to do with us, but they know we exist. Um, yeah, maybe they're demonstrating their higher intelligence by not interacting with us. Well, I mean, we don't talk to the ants. Like, we don't see what's going on in the ant world. You know, we're not, we're not that far. Yeah, we've only got, you know what? got, we've only got, what, 200,000 years at, at tops? And we don't even know if we can communicate. You know, you know what? The thing is, even even that, like, we've only been broadcasting radio waves for the last 100 or 150 years. So if you look at it in terms of how would another alien civilization, if they were interested, even know that we're here? Well, the only way that they would be able to see it is like our radio signature. And at this point, our bubble of radio signature, however weak it may be, is only at most 150 like light years wide. So our galaxy is about 65, no, um, yeah, I guess about 65 to 70,000 light years across. So but from that, we've only been able to broadcast in a tiny little bubble of that. Look, I'm going to quote Contact, the movie. Um, great movie. Great movie. But it would be an awful, um, actually, I'm misquoting it. It would be an awful waste of space, something along those lines. An awful waste of space if somebody else wasn't out there. Um, there's another quote that I really like, which is, there are two possibilities for the universe. That one is that we are the only intelligent life in the entire universe, and it's just us. The other is there is intelligent life all across the universe, and both are equally terrifying. I agree completely. Yeah, that's some scary shit. And uh, yeah, that's why I'm looking to move outside of New York City. Like, I just want to do my own thing, have some cocktails, chill the fuck out. Uh, and not be worried about anybody else's business. So look. Sounds like you need to move much farther away. <laughs> much, much, much farther away. I'll be on that. I'll be on that plane to Mars, the plane, the fucking spaceship. I won't. That would suck. Um, all right, dude. Uh, I'm glad we pumped another one out. Uh, it doesn't feel like we're pumping anything out. It's fun shit. Appreciate your company. Appreciate the conversation. Appreciate the perspective. And I uh, appreciate having somebody to drink with. Anybody else oh, yeah. live, if you're watching us post-production, it's not Thursday, October 1st. Cheers to you because you guys. And I got to find the time to get up to New York City to be able to do this cat podcast with you in person. But until well, New York relaxes its stupid regulations about quarantining for South Carolina residents, that, that's going to be have to, uh, it's a plan that's going to have to be put on ice. Well, uh, if you're watching this, uh, I fear for you. Because we do this one-on-one. It's going to be a two-and-a-half, three-hour podcast that is it's going to go off the oh. tracks, probably. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be stumbling out of it. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Thank you for coming. James, I will talk to you soon. And as always. This, as always, subscribe, like, and fucking help us out, man. We're doing this because it's fun, but we're doing it because we have interaction with people like you. So thank you for being here. And uh, – Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Well put. I got nothing else. <laughs> All right. That time I got priced out of PBR.
Yeah. Peace. Right. So tell me, do you believe we've been visited by aliens? Your call. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Uh, I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.